Well, hello, friends, and welcome to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry and podcast ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church, located in Greenville, Texas. Now, in these few moments we spend together each week, you'll hear great and stirring interviews and powerful messages from the Word of God. But the reason for it all is so you can be touched by... Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Chet Haney with the His Mighty Hand radio broadcast and podcast of Highland Terrace Baptist Church in Greenville, Texas. And one of our volunteers is a wonderful blessing to me, Darlene Montgomery, and she has invited her niece to come in and join us in studio today, Miss Katie Walden. Katie, we're so glad to have you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. That. It's so good to have Katie here, and she and I have just been uh, visiting for the last few moments so that I could hear an amazing story about what God has helped her through in her life, uh, something very few people, thankfully, will ever experience. I would hate for anybody to go through something like this, but you have, haven't you, Katie? Mm-hmm. Been through yes. a uh, harrowing experience, and uh, I'd like to... Uh, have you tell us a little bit about it, but first of all, you're from the big town of Wolf City. I am. And a basketball player. Yes. Nice. Yeah, we had a uh, Wolf City basketball coach in our family at one time, a man by the name of Ross Hall. He was probably before your time. Did you ever hear of Coach Hall? Yeah, a lot of our guys that uh, go to church here played basketball for Coach Hall in Wolf City awesome. years ago. So anyway, we're glad to have another Wolf City girl here. <laughs> Today, Katie, and look forward to meeting your husband, Jordan, and you have three children. Yes, three children. You want to tell us their names and ages? Lily is 11, Oliver is 10, and Jojo is 7. Nice, nice. I bet that makes for a fun time. Oh, yes. In the old house. Never quiet. (laughs) I bet. That's right. That's right. All right, Katie, well, we'll, let's go back to when you were uh, expecting your very first baby. Mm -hmm. This was back in 2010. Yes. And uh, you never expected to have an experience like this. Nobody does. No. Especially when you go to Walmart. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> of all things. Yeah. But uh, on that day, you said it was sprinkling mm-hmm. on March 11th of 2010. And uh, you were actually uh, very courteously let out at the door by your husband. And while he went to park the car, you decided to uh, wait for him. They're by the buggies. Mm-hmm. Yep. Can you tell us um, something uh, amazing but very sad that happened right then? Um, when Jordan dropped me off, I went inside the store, and instead of starting to shop, I waited in the doorway for him. And um, as I waited, I heard sirens that didn't sound like your typical sirens, And so I turned around, and I'm looking out the door to see where they're coming from. And I see police officers coming from all different directions, jumping the median and flying into the parking lot. And as I watch, I see this man coming up the crosswalk um, with a gun hanging probably from his mid-thigh to the ground, just this, this gun that... I still vividly see 
Um, and he is walking towards the store. Like a huge gun. A huge gun. Yeah. And um, he's walking towards the gun, uh, towards the store, and I see people start running and screaming, and everybody's trying to just hide and get away from him. Wow. So here you are, and uh, never expected to be in a situation where it looked like somebody's going to come and shoot up Walmart. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, um, it has become something of a reality for you. Mm-hmm. You told me your phone somehow slipped. It, I turned to run, and being nine months pregnant, I mm. fell. Oh, my and goodness. Baby was fine. I landed on my hands and knees. Oh didn't goodness. hurt her. Um, but my phone slid one way, and I ran the other way towards, um, like, around the corner of a wall. Mm-hmm protection so you're running for your life absolutely good gracious yes i remember in that moment in my Sheer head panic. thinking if i run is he going to shoot me in the back i've got to hide before he sees me so you're looking for something to hide, hide behind, behind under mm-hmm. anything okay and where did you wind up i um in commerce walmart um there's a wall partition um uh, that I went around and hid in in where they stack all the buggies. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're behind the buggies, and um, what was going through your mind? Um, me and a worker were laying in the floor, and I remember her. She put her arm around me, and she prayed for us for our safety. And I laid wow. there and thought, if this man comes around this corner and shoots me, how... How do I need to be sitting so that if he does, my baby will survive, even if I don't? So you're trying to think about anything survival posture for you and the baby. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. And what is my husband going to think? He is outside parking the truck. Unbelievable. It's all happened so fast. Mm -hmm. I bet he was in a panic. Yes, he wishing like everything he hadn't dropped you off. Probably mm-hmm. he was walking up the parking lot when he heard mm-hmm. gunshots and ran back to the truck and just laid his seat back in panic. And of course, my phone had gotten away from me, so he's calling he's and I can't call answer. You. I don't even have my phone on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well. When you go through something like that, um, it's got to have an effect on you. Mm-hmm. What was the um, what was the outcome of all this? Uh, just you know, with the uh, perpetrator and the police. He uh, the the man didn't make it into the store. There was an off duty officer um, inside in the produce section that stopped him from coming in. They shot several shots at each other, and he was killed before he made it into the store. The perpetrator. The perpetrator, yes. And the officer was he? The officer, I believe, is a police officer in Cumby. Wow. He's still he's still around. What he wasn't? wasn't He was he was shot in the uh, shoulder area. Wow. But just I mean, man, it was a blessing that he. Talk about a hero. Mm-hmm, absolutely. No telling how many lives he saved that day. Yep. So all this happened. There's police cars everywhere. Everywhere. Mm-hmm. Lights flashing, people screaming, crying, praying. How did you? Um, how did you get back to your husband? I 
a worker came up to me who knew me. And at the moment I didn't know who she was. Um, but I, I said, my phone is over there. And so she ran and got my phone and I said, where is he? And she said, Jordan. And I said, the gunman. And she said, he's gone. And I said, are you sure? Mm. She said, yes. And so I grabbed everybody's still scared. Of everybody's scared. Yeah. So I grabbed my phone. She had brought me my phone. I grabbed it and mm-hmm. took off towards the back of the store. Mm. And they were leading people out a back door. Out the back. Out the back. And so I get to the back. Because the front's a crime scene now. Mm-hmm. Nobody can go through, in or out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get to the back uh-huh. and my phone had shut off after being dropped. And so mm-hmm. it was finally coming back on and immediately it started ringing and it was Jordan. Yeah. And he was like, are you okay? Where are you? And I said, I'm in the back of the store. I don't, I, at this point I didn't know up from down. I mm-hmm. said, I ran to the back of the store. Mm-hmm. I'm looking out this back door and there's woods. I don't know where I'm at, mm-hmm. but he, he came, drove to the back of the store and picked me up. Yeah. Crazy, fearful experience. Absolutely. Traumatizing to the nth degree. Yes. And uh, had an effect on you, didn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I want to ask you, uh, Katie, if you would uh, be so kind to come back for another session. Absolutely, yes. And I would like to ask you if you wouldn't mind to describe for our listeners uh, how this affected you in the coming days and (laughs) how you... um, dealt with it, mm-hmm. tried to deal with it, mm-hmm. and uh, how God ultimately dealt with it for you. Could we do that? Yes. Could we have that conversation? For sure. I appreciate it so much because I have an idea there may be listeners today uh, that you may not have people literally shooting at you, but we know the enemy um, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour in the fiery darts of the devil are flying every day. There's a lot of spiritual warfare that people go through, spiritual attacks with, uh, you know, anxiety and depression and uh, feelings of the fear of failure and wondering if you measure up to your expectations or trying to live up to your parents' expectations or all kinds of um, things that uh, people try to figure out how to deal with on a daily basis, and we, we don't know how to pray about them. Sometimes we don't know how to uh, get free, and uh, you have had an incredible experience that allowed you to get free that I think will be a great encouragement to folks. So we're going to come back in a, in a few moments and uh, record another segment for another broadcast, but I just want to thank you again, Katie, for coming. Thank you. It really means a lot for you to open up and share this with our His Mighty Hand audience. Thanks. Thank you. I'm Pastor Chet Haney of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church in Greenville, Texas. And I thank you so much, our listeners, for being a part of His mighty hand today. And as always, our prayer is that God will touch you today with His mighty hand. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chet. You know, the Bible is full of verses that teach us encourage us to live our lives in a way that pleases God. In uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 9, the Bible says, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please God. Uh, in uh, Hebrews 13, 16, the Bible says, do not neglect 
to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. What a blessing to think of of pleasing the great God of the universe by the little actions of our lives, the little details of our existence, to think we could orchestrate our lives in some way that would be pleasing to him. Listen to this. 1 John 3.22 says, Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. I want to show you something that pleases God this morning. I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Colossians chapter 1. And I want to pick up on the theology that our guest teacher on Wednesday nights, Brother Roy Edgman, uh, mentioned to us recently from the mighty book of Colossians. And he went on and on telling us of its theological power, and I certainly agree with him. And I want to uh, share a verse with you about what pleases God, about reconciliation and transformation, and um, about how we can uh, participate in the work that pleases him. One of the things that I did... uh under the recommendation of Roy, was to order this book called Sensei. You remember hearing him talk about it. It's a book about a missionary who went to Japan and began to work in the uh, roughest district of Japan where little girls were sold into slavery by their parents. Often uh, found out reading the book these men who were evil men would come from the city out into the country and they would talk to the farmers and they would say, look, your little girl has no hope for a much of a life here on your farm. We'll take her to the city and we'll provide for her and we'll give her a good education. We'll see to it that she has a good husband. Um, and they would uh, describe this wonderful life they were going to give these daughters to the degree that the farmers would actually bow down to the men and thank them when actually their intent was to make them uh, slave girls in the red light district of Tokyo. And uh, Miss Penrod had uh, begun a home for these girls and Sensei got involved with Miss Penrod in the home and actually... She um, found a little girl one day whose name was Shige-san, which ironically means prosperity, although her life was far from it. Sensei said it was sad because working with the little girls, they would learn the hymns that they were supposed to sing, and they would do the daily prayers, and they would teach them how to read the Bible and try to help these girls get some kind of a spiritual leg up on the terrible uh, existence that they were living. But Sensei said, I could always tell when they were about to run away. Uh, sometimes during the night, they would run away and climb over the wall and escape and go back to their 
former way of uh, depravity. She said, you know how she could tell when they were about to escape? Those were the girls that would sing the songs most vigorously, try to show their piety. And uh, often that was a signal that they were just about to leave. Now, this one girl named Shigesan was like a like a captured animal when she first came into the home. She was wild. Her face was just full of fury and doubt and disbelief. And if they gave her food to eat, she would shove it into her mouth because she had uh, been living on scraps, you know, all of her life. Then she would go in the middle of the night down to the kitchen to steal whatever else she could find and eat, you know, cooked rice by the handful and whatever, whatever she could find and scrounge for herself in the kitchen. And she's just very, very difficult to work with, but Sensei um, had a heart for all the kids. She didn't give up on her. She continued to work with her, and unfortunately, Shigesan developed a very um, serious illness, and it became quickly obvious that she would not survive. And so they had her on a sick bed, and all the staff and all the other girls came to help take care of Shigesan. Uh, tried to minister to her, tried to treat her. And by and by, when it was obvious that uh, her life was nearly over, Shigesan told Sensei that she wanted to accept Jesus. And she did. And though she was very sick, during her last days, Sensei could see a glow on her face, a smile. And she said, when I die, would you sing the hymn, Enter at the Narrow Gate? Isn't that something? That's exactly what happened. She gets on, passed away, 11 or 12 years old. And all the uh, girls and all the staff that gathered around sang the hymn that they all knew from their hearts. Enter at the narrow gate. And I can't help but think in that moment that God must have been very pleased. The faithful work of this missionary and the willingness of this precious little girl to receive Jesus, to put her trust in him, to pass from this life into the next. Don't you think God was pleased? I want to show you something that pleases God. I guarantee it. Because it's in the Bible. In Colossians chapter 1, verse uh, 20, we're going to see verse 19, 19, 20, 21, and 22. This will be our text for today. We're going to see in the first three words of verse 19 something that pleased God. Notice what it says. It pleased God the Father that in him, God the Son, all the fullness should dwell. This is what you could call a God-pleasing incarnation. The very fact that everything God is could be stuffed inside the body of a man 
and that Jesus could become the image of the invisible God and all the fullness of God could dwell in him in bodily form was pleasing to God the Father. He liked it. I think he loved it. I think he was overjoyed as God the Father to see that everything he is had been deposited in the body, spirit, soul, mind, and being of the Lord Jesus. Now, this thought of the incarnation was scandalous to the Jew. As a matter of fact, the Pharisees in the days of Saul and his teacher, who was Saul's teacher? Anybody know? We mentioned him last week. Fellow by the name of Gamaliel. Remember Gamaliel that we mentioned last week in Acts 5, who said, look, if, uh, if God is with them, you're not going to be able to stop it. And if God is not with them, it'll fizzle out, so don't worry about it. This was actually an expression of the Hillel, um, branch of Phariseeism. There was the Hillel and the Shammai. There was actually two branches named after two different influential teachers, one named Hillel and one named Shammai. Now, the Hillel branch, of which Gamaliel was a part, was actually uh, a little bit more uh, open-minded to the ideas of the Hellenists, which means the Greeks. Uh, they were a little bit more willing to discuss the possibility of working together with Rome to have some kind of a uh, an agreement and uh, 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 coexistence in their shared society, but not the Shammai. The Shammai were more prone to zeal. These zealots, the Shammai, wanted to uh, persecute. They wanted to stand strong. They wanted to fight back. And it's kind of interesting that Saul sat at the feet of Gamaliel who made this statement about the disciples, you know, let, let's just let them see if God's with them. We're not going to be able to stop it. That was sort of an open-minded thing of him to say. But Saul said no such thing, did he? When Saul got through training at the feet of Gamaliel, he became very zealous. He said so. He said, as for zeal, I persecuted the church of God. Now, isn't that interesting? The student at the feet of the master exceeded the zeal of the master Gamaliel himself. And part of the issue was this whole idea that God cannot be a man. That's what the Jews would say. It's not possible for the eternal holy God of the universe to be contained in the body of a man. They thought this idea was scandalous. But I'm telling you something, God did not. It pleased God that the body of Jesus could contain the fullness of God. Well, as we know, Saul, the zealot, had an amazing transformation and became Paul, the apostle, who's actually the very one who, under the authority and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote these very words that we're reading right now. Isn't that something? What a transformation. How can you explain that a, a little girl named Shigisan, who was so bitterly opposed to everything godly, could have a look of contentment on her face and ask that a song be sung over her 
when she went to see Jesus enter at the narrow gate. Well, you can't explain it except for one thing, and that's the transforming power of the Holy Spirit executed in the person of Jesus Christ, who is the fullness of God in bodily form. How can you explain Saul, the zealot, on his way to Damascus to round up those Christians and put them in chains, or worse, and he winds up in Damascus preaching that Jesus is the Christ from the Scripture. How can you explain these things? You really can't, but one thing you can know is they're very pleasing to God. I don't know of anything that pleases God more than the transformation of a heart, soul, life, and body. The Bible says the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. The transformation that we're talking about doesn't come from just saying a prayer or getting baptized or joining the church. It comes from the person of the Son of God living and working inside of you. Have you let Jesus into the door of your heart? Start following him each day, one day at a time. Work hard at discipline and diligence, and you'll find that the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. The soul of the lazy, the Bible says, Proverbs 3, 13, 4, soul of the lazy wants, desires, and has nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. And no diligent does not necessarily mean the hardest of hard workers. Diligence means consistency, repetition, showing up day after day after day and pleasing God with your devotion, with your attention, with your obedience. You don't need to tell Jesus you want more. Apply yourself and work at it. That's how you're going to get more. Work it out, your salvation, in fear and trembling, and you will become rich in spiritual treasures. It pleased God. He loved it to have all of God, all that God is, all his fullness living in a man. I'll tell you something else. God is also pleased to live in you. You, may I remind you, are now the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. And it pleases God that it should be this way. God desires to live in a temple just like your heart. So work this out. Less of me, more of thee. Less of me, more of thee. That's my marching song every day. Less and less of myself and more and more of Jesus because it pleased God, it still does, to live inside the heart of a man or a woman. Now look at verse 20. And we're going to see that the reconciliation Jesus did was done to himself, by himself, and for himself. Verse 20 says, by him to to reconcile all things to himself, 
by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross. Now, here's a verse on reconciliation with respect to why it happens, where, and how. And here's the answer. It's all about Jesus. By him, to himself, by him. And we desperately need this reconciliation because we are desperately wicked. According to Jeremiah 17, 9, here's what the Bible says. The heart of man is desperately wicked and deceitful. Who can know it? Now, I want to tell you, we don't like to think of ourselves as desperately wicked. <laughs> is it, are there any wretches here this morning? You know, I had a man at my former church meet with me to plan the funeral of his mother, who was a dear, saintly lady of God who knew the Scripture. She would slip me little verses of Scripture sometimes to go along with what I had been preaching. We were very close. And when she died, he did not want Amazing Grace sung at her funeral. You know why? He said, my mother is not a wretch. Can I tell you something? Every one of us in this room could be called a wretch. Thanks for listening today to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church located on Joe Ramsey Boulevard right here in Greenville, Texas. Join us each week at this time as we celebrate His work in our lives through 